In today's episode, I'm talking to Milita Campbell, a business coach in southern Switzerland. Milita is an art graduate turned network coordinator turned internal communications manager for an international corporation turned hustling freelancer and finally turned inspiring business coach for female entrepreneurs in Europe. And I'm probing her on the pros, the cons and the pitfalls of exclusive female entrepreneurs clubs and how to network in order to find and belong to the right people that will propel you and your business endeavors forward. Let's start. Welcome to the Home of Having podcast, my friend. This is the place to learn how to create a home away from home. I am Nick. I am an interior designer, but also a CRL expat. And this season, I'm on the quest to find out what belonging means. Why? Well, because psychologists claim belonging is what defines the value of our life. And it helps us cope with life when life gets rough. And you don't need to be an expat to know life doesn't get any rougher than when we feel lonely. So I'm inviting you to hear and learn from inspiring people as they share their story and their knowledge on belonging. And then you can make a decision on what a home worth having really means to you. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome, Elita. Welcome to the Home Worth Having podcast. It's so great to have you here. To all my listeners, Milita is a business coach and she is located in Switzerland, actually quite close to myself. You're in Vive. It's Lake Geneva coastal area, beautiful region. And today we will be talking about Female Entrepreneurs Club. And since you have your own, I just want to ask you, introduce yourself. What is it you actually do? Hi, Nick. It's great to be here with you today. And I really, when I saw your podcast and it's all about the sense of belonging, I really connected with that because that's what I try and create for women with their business is that they don't just work on their business or create themselves another job, but they really create something that they love. Something that really represents what they want to create in the world and how they want to make a difference. So I think there was a really strong connection there. So I, I really enjoyed that. So I'm excited to be here. Yes. And as everybody can hear, we are in Switzerland, but you are English native. You don't have an accent. Oh, well. <laughs> so you are an expert yourself. Yeah. And in my first season, I had this particular lens on expat lifestyle and how to create belonging for expats because it's a different niche in, in itself. And so you've been how long here in Switzerland? 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. But you started off in a corporate world and mm -hmm. then decided to go out on your own at some point. Tell me a bit, how did you fall into your profession? How did you fall into what you're doing now? Okay. Yeah. It's, so when I came here, I was quite fortunate that I came, moved here with my husband. He got a job at the Nestle headquarters here in, in Bavay. And I was, my plan was, because I loved my job. I was worked in internal communications for a bank in London and I just got promoted and it was all going really well. So I was like, oh, well, you go and I'll apply for jobs and move over with you when, I'm, when I find a job. But then we soon found out that's 
not how it works here in Switzerland. You have to be here. You have to do the networking and all of that. So I resigned. And I remember that I gave the, the letter to my boss and she was, she was very understanding. And then she went to her office and literally jumped out of her seat, ran back to me and said, you have to take this back. I was like, what? And so she said the Geneva office that nobody knew we had, <laughs> had had sent her an email requesting a job spec for an internal communications manager. And she's like, shall I just say that my internal comms manager is coming their way? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> so it was kind of like it was meant to be. It was very straightforward. Although working through when I arrived here, working through the permits took a few months. So I had a bit of time to settle in, which was nice. But yeah, so I started working for the same company, but in Geneva, which was which was nice because it was it's quite a different culture here it um it kind of looks like it should be the same but it's very different mm -hmm. and but to work within the same company and to understand all the same policies and strategies and everything it was it was quite nice to to have that consistent element to really understand my job so that I could understand work on adapting to the culture which took a long time because people here don't resonate with things like, you know, in London, you go out for lunch, you grab your sandwich, you sit down, you have an hour yes. max. Whereas here, it's like, you go out for a coffee, and then you have your lunch, and then you can take around two hours. <laughs> but if you don't do that, then you're not seen as part of the team. And they don't understand why mm -hmm. people wouldn't take mm -hmm. that time. So they work very hard, but this taking the time off and being social in between is very important for them. So Little things like that took a while to get used to. And one thing that I really noticed is for me personally, I've never felt held back in business or in my career by being a yeah. woman. And I think I had some very powerful early experiences that, that helped foster that perhaps. And I was very lucky to always work with very supportive mentors and bosses. Mm -hmm. But when I moved to Geneva, I could see that it was a very different culture and there were so many women who were doing a great job but within a large department of men because I worked in private banking which is yes. very male dominated still and they just had lost their voice they'd lost their place and they weren't progressing in the company at all so while I was there I set up a women's network I was quite scared going to the CEO saying I've got this idea what if we create a women's network because the men did already have lots of networking built in almost but there was nothing for the women so he, he was delighted because he's like well I'm quite aware that they, we need mm -hmm. to do something for the, to empower more of the women but he didn't know how to do it because and as a kind of middle-aged white man <laughs> didn't really feel that it, it quite was, handy that you came along <laughs> yeah exactly so it was great and so he met he became my mentor and so did the CFO who was also male but he was a traveling spouse which was interesting as well so he was very much behind the whole program and then yes yeah, so I got that started and I opened it up to men as well because I thought you can't really yeah. have a network to promote inclusivity if you're being exclusive so exactly yeah and it was really interesting because a lot of the men came because they wanted genuinely wanted to understand how to better support the women in their teams but others came because The CFO and CEO were my mentors and they knew that it would look good, but that was fine. They were there. So that was the important thing. Yeah. And so I spoke to the men afterwards about their experience and they loved it because it wasn't like any other training they'd done. We had some incredible speakers, people that came to lead workshops all for free because they just loved what we were doing and they wanted to be part of it. And we, we did reciprocal things as well for them, but they what struck them was this was the first time they'd heard women speak. We'd never wanted to promote men, women in our 
teams before because we'd never heard them speak up in meetings. So we didn't have that confidence that they could do that. And if we were going to put them out there to represent our department, then we weren't sure what that would look like if they weren't going to speak up. But then through this network, they actually started yeah. to see that women did have a voice and they did have opinions and they, they were really good opinions. And so women started to get more promoted within the bank. So when I had my first daughter, kind of inspired by that network, because I heard a lot of women saying that yes. if they had their time again, they would do anything to work flexibly around their kids because you don't get that time back. So I was like, okay, maybe that's something I should do because I was totally going to go back full time because I love my job. But when the kids actually come, it's very different. And I interviewed lots of nannies and they were just all a nightmare. And finding childcare here is very difficult. So Can I, I quickly interrupt you because yeah. before we head into this other part, mm. I just wanted to point out what many people do not realize so when you move from one country to another, even if it is within Europe, if you change culture, especially if there's a language change involved, people expect this cultural shock or a cultural difference. But it's almost like they expect it to happen once. And just like you said, it's not like that, that you have this once, this shock that happens and you have to overcome it. It's happening on many different levels and there is different cultures within the culture. Living and finding your place and being with your neighbors, being a social person is different in a different culture. And then the work environment is also different and it helps a lot if you can transition a little bit more slowly like you did you can take one shock at a time, so to say. But for many people, this is not like that. They have to deal with everything at once. And then I also find very interesting what you just said about the men, that it's totally understandable. If I would feel the same. If somebody's never speaking up, then you maybe doubt their, sometimes your, their sincerity or their involvement or... Is it they, they, you feel they don't care, that they're not very motivated? Yes, yes. But also, it's very funny to a point that it almost feels like, how about asking? How about encouraging? And I think it is very much in the male mind still anchored that if you want something, you go and take it. Whilst Yeah, but I think there's, you know, with the, there's a, the flip side of this culture shock is the opportunity. So having been in that environment, but seeing that it doesn't have to be that way, you know, mm -hmm. the, the same bank in London is very different. Yeah. You know, women do speak up. Women like sometimes speak up too much. <laughs> so I could see that it could be different. And, and the same with various elements, you know, particularly in the world of entrepreneurship, you, you come here, you see that there's services that are missing or aren't working terribly well. And from your background, you know, that it could be different. So there's a business opportunity there. Mm -hmm. So yes, there's, there's culture shock, but also the flip side is that you can, you can do something about it, but you have to obviously do it in a, in a sensitive way. That's going to really going to help people. And that's, that's the baseline of any business. It only exists to, to mm -hmm. help. But, yeah. Uh, but then it's, it's also true that in local areas like in London or here in the like Geneva area, there is a lot of expats. There is a lot of people from different cultures that are willing to give a bit of themselves into this local culture. But there's other areas where, from my own experience, I know it is not as common because there's simply not as many people coming from a different background. It is all very homogeneous. Is that how you say it in English? Yeah. 
And we need a little bit of friction. And people always understand friction as something bad. But it can be just like you said, something really, really good because it doesn't knock the ball off course, just gives them another route to explore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that can take time because you do need people to be open minded. Um, yeah, culture needs to be cultivated. Yes. And I remember it reminds me of when I, I used to work for a marine and shipping company and it was literally run by ex captains. So men who were very used to having their own way, running things exactly they they make the rules. So I came in as this young sort of 25 year old, like, yeah, we're going to do this. And they're like, no, you have to wait until you had your feet under the table. Um, so that was quite interesting because, you know, it was the same. It was still in London, but mm-hmm. a very different company culture. Yes. Um, and there I had to adapt and figure out a different way of working with these guys to help them mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. around to my idea of way of thinking because they were just so, I mean, they brought me in to rene- regenerate their pre- I'll build the brand and marketing for them and yet they were like I'd been there a year and they're like, no we don't do these things <laughs> like yes oh. it takes time it does yeah it? but then I did manage to find the people who were more open start working mm-hmm. with them so that the ones that weren't so open could see what I was trying to do so it kind of mess- made yes. it a, a bit less scary for them and then they're like, oh, hang on a minute, why is that department getting all the jobs and I'm not because mm-hmm. they're working with me um, yes. and they're like oh so you could do that for me? Like, yes, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. So bit by bit, they came around and the people that I was working with, they also helped to, to make, make it easier for those who are a bit more stuck in their ways or a bit scared, really, but they wouldn't admit to that, to help them come around. So there's always different ways and it can take time. You're right. Thank you for that, because that is true and just supports the, the theory. It's layers of cultures and layers of overcoming little hurdles that in hindsight can always look like this one massive thing, but it was actually not. So it helps to remind us that should that happen again, should we move again, should we be thrown into another culture again, this is something that we need to tackle bit by bit. And one area can go great at one time or be more easy to deal with than another one. Yes. But to come back to your topic, so at some point you had a kid and you left the corporate world and you started your own business. Tell me a bit more about that. On one hand, it was kind of scary to do because I loved my job and that's all I'd ever known. But my boss couldn't have been more supportive. And he, in being a parent, it's going to be the biggest leadership lesson you will ever have. And in fact, I've shared those words with so many other women because what I've seen here, particularly when I was bringing up my kids, I was surrounded by other expat women who had a lot of the time left their corporate careers behind and become a mum. And a lot of the time they'd lost their sense of value um, and their sense of purpose because of that. And we're starting to say, well, what have I got to bring to the world? And these are like women who would run international marketing departments and things like this. Like they'd had huge careers before. Mm-hmm. Because typically expat wives are very highly qualified because they're married to someone who's equally qualified who got them who was able to come over here I mean it's not just women there's men as well but it's mostly still mostly yes. women in that situation so it was it really annoyed me <laughs> to see all these women just suddenly thinking they they were incapable of doing anything but raise children when only a couple of years ago they had this incredible career so I was always sharing those words with them you are not by any means losing skills by being a parent Mm -hmm. you're gaining a lot of skills Um, and you do have to learn my boss was right you know so many more leadership skills you have to learn I mean anyone 
who can negotiate a toddler to do anything yes is a, is a master negotiator and leader <laughs> so we need to recognize that we are developing some incredible skills in being parents so so yeah so when I started my business I'd when I was in the women's network and running the internal internal comms department for the bank, I had done a lot of networking. So I was quite well known within the corporate networking circles. So when I decided that I met someone for lunch, I was like, you know, I love being a mum, but I still want to keep my hand in and do something. So yeah. Like, How many years was that into your Swiss experience, your Swiss life here? So I'd been here at that point three years, I think. Mm hmm. And yeah, it was 2007 and we moved here 2004. So yes, three yeah. years. So yeah, I remember having lunch with a, a, so a lady who works in Intel comms at Nestle and saying, maybe I could just write a newsletter for someone or just do something. And she goes, oh, I know someone looking for someone to write a newsletter. I was like, oh my gosh, it's a sign. So mm -hmm. she put me in contact and actually that person turned out to be someone I knew very well. So he's like, oh, I'd love to work with you. And that was it. I was up and running. So I just did corporate writing and mm -hmm. internal communications consultancy. So I, using my network and LinkedIn, I didn't have a website or anything. I was able just to reach out and tell people, oh, this is what I'm doing now. And I got a steady stream of work already because I already had a, a certain level of credibility yes. within the market. And there wasn't anyone else doing that. So it was it was quite nice to have stumbled across a niche that was already kind of pre-made almost. Um, so it was kind of easy. I maintained my networking. I did eventually have a very simple website. So I, I did minimal marketing really, but the, the important stuff, you know, getting out networking, making yes. connections, making sure that these connections stayed relevant and that people knew what I was doing. So that was great. But I ended up burning out of that business because I had... That was a freelance lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. So you, you always had to get new clients when there were seasons of peaks and lows of how much work you had and therefore how much income you have, right? No, not really. I was okay. never, I never had the dips. <laughs> we just always had wow, lucky growing you. and growing because once I did a good job, people would come back and they would recommend me to their colleagues and you know, the communications community is quite small. So mm -hmm. grew, my business grew and grew. So from the outside, I looked very successful that I had all these clients and I was getting more and bigger jobs all the time. And yeah, some really. But it remained just you. Yeah. It was just you, a one-woman business. Yeah. Okay. I had looked at working with some partners, but I hadn't quite found anyone else who had the same, because internal communications isn't a big thing here. And mm -hmm. I think it's you have quite a different perspective on communications. And so I work with people that come from an agency background or from the sort of more PR background, and they, they just didn't have the same outlook that I did. So we did, we worked on some small projects, but I never really felt that they would be natural partners. So yeah, I started small. I had people that I would use to, if I couldn't fulfill a job that I would pass people on to. Mm -hmm. So I had a sort of referral network, but I didn't work directly with them. But that became a problem because I was working all around the clock. My husband got a new job, so he was traveling. By this stage, I had two children, uh, no support network here and too much work. So I was, and it so was- So by, by no support network, you mean on the private side? Yeah, so I didn't have parents nearby mm -hmm. that if something came up, I could say, oh, can you take the kids for a couple of hours? Yeah. I had some friends who were great that, that helped out a lot in that respect. And so that made a big difference. And I did make certain friends, but it wasn't quite the same. And I was alone 
a lot of the time. We end up working till two or three in the morning and then being woken up by the kids at six and I was in survival mode. <laughs> it was like yeah. having a glass of wine in the evening. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you don't need to be an expert mum yeah. to, to experience it, but it's true. It's yeah. also very much in our heads that this is not quite home yet. Yeah. Or you, you're as a person not as secure and it can feel more alone just because so many things are foreign. We can relate to the feeling when you're tired, you speak the language fluently, but at the end of the day, it's just all, all too much. You understand the words, but you have no more capacity to take in the meaning just because there's so much translation, there's so much background work going on that nobody sees. Yeah, exactly. So I just got to a point where it was, it was all too much. And what I'd done, so I had a successful business on paper. I had plenty of clients and, and a good income, but I wasn't managing my time at all. I know, I, I guess there was some kind of fear there, but I didn't ask for any help. But I think what, what I realized later is like I could have gone to my husband and explained that like, this is a situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. I could have found myself a business coach, but I didn't even know things like that existed in, in that time. And they would have been able to help me like structure my business and reconnect with it and develop something that I was really passionate about because I effectively created myself another job. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really built a business as such. It wasn't mm-hmm. aligned to my passions. And what I really wanted to do was continue the experience I had in the corporate world with that women's network because I work in communications and I work in internal and leadership communications. And I had all the tools to help women discover their values and, and have more of a voice. And that's what I really wanted to be doing. But it wasn't what I was kind of like, oh, well, yes. I just kind of stumbled into corporate writing, which has I always written and it's part of my job, but it's not my passion. My passion is connection, using communication to mm-hmm. connect people to themselves, to connect themselves to their their customers to connect themselves with their their kind of values and really develop meaning and contribution through their Mm -hmm. communications and that wasn't at all what I was doing so I think I found myself just really racing towards burnout after about seven years running that business and so something had to change and that was the scary point where you do realize I can't carry on like this but you I think that was the fear holding me back for a long time was like what else do I do because I couldn't see how I could go into an office with my situation, my husband never being here and these two yes. young kids and with the childcare situation the way it was. Yeah. Let's like, face it, Switzerland is a yeah. bit or very much behind when it comes to flexibility and accommodating yeah. flexible, more flexible lifestyles. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that was a really scary time because I didn't know what to do next. But at the time, I, I kind of stumbled into this other little business, which, which was a wellness business because I discovered these products that helped me just to get my health back and after years of working around the clock and not having the healthiest lifestyle and not exercising so much I was really out of shape and that was affecting my positivity as well my mindset if you like so these products really helped me get my health back they helped me get my positivity back so I started doing that business and under that brand I became a business coach helping other women to start a similar business And it was really interesting because within that organization, people started a business, but with the same products, the same marketing, the same everything. So there's no reason why one person would succeed and another one didn't. But what I could see the difference was confidence and mindset. So it was like this crazy control experiment. (laughs) But it really showed me that. And again, what I saw in the women's network in the corporate space, it was this, this mindset, this feeling that I can do this. 
was missing for a lot of people. And so they weren't reaching the levels that they, they could do and they weren't pushing outside their comfort zone. They weren't asking, they weren't speaking up because this mindset was holding them back. And then it got to a point, there was a period of six months where a lot of women were coming to me saying, this is great, but could you help me start my business? And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, could I do that? And so I started to think it through and develop my own framework for starting a business from a point of view of building your confidence and self-belief from day one as well. Mm-hmm. So the women I help, we always start with connecting with what it is they want to create, what's the lifestyle they need to develop when and then building everything from there so really the marketing part is almost right it's week 10 of a 12-week program so it's right towards the end because everything else needs to come first and marketing needs to be built on your your purpose your values and your clients as well so you need to really explore that first so yeah so now that's what I'm doing and finally I've got to the business I wanted to create right back at the beginning so it's the now I'm really living my purpose that's mm-hmm. why I feel I'm really living my purpose, using all of my skills and experiences to help others. The difference in my business in terms of my positivity, my energy, my motivation, my results, it's just black and white from that first business. So that's another really important message that I want to get out to women as well. It's like it's in business, it's great to just get started, start anywhere. It doesn't mm-hmm. really doesn't really matter where you start as long as you start and start building the skills and the confidence and that feeling that you can do this. Mm-hmm. But to be aware that where you start is never where you end up and to feel that you can pivot at any time. It doesn't feel completely aligned with where you feel you need to go. Then you should pivot and ask for help to do that. We all need help. You need that pers- external perspective to help you, I think. Yeah. So I have two things come in mind. At one point, it's, I think it's this mom thinking when women have children and you could say that they're still being very much left alone. The husband goes back to work. It's the mom who stays at home and you have to deal with a lot of stuff by yourself. If you're in an environment where you're not a native, you have to deal with different languages. So you're just thrown into the water. And a lot of women if we give them the title until now, mumpreneurs, so working mothers with their own business, they continue like that when they start their business. I'll do it. I have to do it all by myself. And whilst I get what you do and what the ideal transformation is for your clients from having nothing to creating something and thriving in it, I think it's still a little bit hard for people who have never worked with a coach before to understand what it actually is you do. So my question would be, from your point of view, when do you have the feeling you as a coach did a job well done? What's a day when you go to bed and say, this was really good. I had impact. I created something. This is why I did this business. So from your point of view, can you give us, when are you proud of, of your mm. achievements? It may sound arrogant, but I kind of feel like every day. Because <laughs> what I see happens a lot with women, and it probably happens a lot with men as well, but they're not part of my daily life, is that we tend to, so there'll be other people out there that are like, oh my gosh, Nick, she's, she's up here, she's so amazing, and they put themselves down. And, mm-hmm. and that's great to appreciate the skills and, and be inspired by the people around you, but not to put yourself down and belittle yourself. So I, a lot of my clients, they see other people succeeding in business and they're kind of comparing themselves and putting themselves like, oh, they're, they're doing so well, I could never be like that. Or they're doing so well, I'm doing so bad. And usually it's more like this, you know, everyone's on the same level. People are 
maybe a few steps ahead or doing things differently. Or just are longer in the game. It doesn't even mean further, just longer in there. So with more confidence and with more ease, because it it is an attitude. Yeah, and it's a journey, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not... nobody starts business as an entrepreneur it's what you become in the process of figuring things out and messing things up and learning and picking yourself up and keeping going so yes exactly so it doesn't mean that they these people don't already have the skills and everything they need to succeed they do and I see my job as helping them see that for themselves and I'm kind of a cross between a, a coach and a mentor because I I don't do the the coachy thing of like Mm, what could you do about this? It's part of that. But mm-hmm. also having been there, done it, and you, you can see all the books behind me, yeah. <laughs> self-development addict. And you know, I invest like, at least $10,000 a year in my own personal development through courses and coaches and things as well. And I bring all of that for my clients uh, to help them see that they already have what they need and mm-hmm. then help them fill in the gaps with, because my program, I call it the business, the dream client blueprint, because it's really giving them a map to follow and teaching them core business principles and strategies that they can then apply to their own business and they get workbooks to help them apply it to their own situation so that they are just upgrading their skills and mindset consistently but at no point and you know it's so wonderful when we have like my group coaching program we have a lot of one-to-one time well not sort of one-to-many time if you like but I ask answer their personal questions all the way through and it's so nice when they're like oh so I I can already do this I just have to do that yes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know all already do this if there's someone out there already doing what you imagine you would like to do then it means it's possible there's no reason why they're succeeding and you couldn't it's just a time, as you say, a matter of the time to do it. They're taking action. They've taken the time. They've stuck with it. They've stayed in the game. And that's what success is. It's just hanging on in there. But if you, I think it's very hard on your own to get that perspective and to, I mean, I have it with myself. I have this two week window where I can be like really productive and I get loads done and help lots of people. And then all of a sudden, almost every two weeks, I hit this wall. I'm like, oh, can I really do this? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Where's that come from? I have no idea, but I have meetings with my coach scheduled every two weeks and it's like, it's always the day before and it, it all just becomes, I think I've, I set myself goals and I achieve those within two weeks and then it gets to the next goals that I want to do and then it's going to, oh, can I really do this? And then my coach is like, yeah, of course you can. You've already mm-hmm. done all of this. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, you're right. Okay. You know, <laughs> we need someone on our side to help us have that perspective, to help us continually upgrade our skills and focus in on what's important and what's going to help us get to where we're going to go. Because it's so easy to get distracted, particularly these days with the internet and all these other distractions. And I was reading Lean In and one thing that struck me in in that book when I read it was how present women are expected to be in the workplace and at home more than any other period in history. You know, a working woman spends as much hours with their child as a stay-at-home mom like 50 years ago. And it's statistics like that yes. really hit me. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on us, which means it's time management and productivity skills are more important than ever. And to really zoom in on your your personal values and your business values and just like screw everything else. You know? mm-hmm. uh, we feel obligated to do a lot more than we actually need to do and I think that's one thing that men have mastered in the office they just don't do the stuff that they, it's not important to them and that's being a bit global I'm sure there are lots of guys who are stressed out doing all the little things as well but in general that was one of my biggest lessons in the corporate workplace is like 
work 80%, 20%, get out there, network, make sure people know who you are, what you're doing, that you've done a good job. And, and, you, and that's a really important balance. So I think a lot of time we feel we have to do it all and we, we really don't, okay. <laughs> um, which takes courage. So I have the next question for you. So you went from a business in corporate and organizing local networking group to working here in the area and having your referrals more or less being local as well. And now you started your own business and you're supporting women, but you have a Facebook group. And do you now work still locally with women or is it all happening online? Because networking in person and meeting people is a lot different than having to market yourself and network and establish contact and communication when you do it online. So my question would be, how has that evolved and how do you now prefer working? Mm, great question. So my current business coaching business that I've been doing for the last three years, so it was 12 years I've been running my own businesses and I've had a couple of pivots in the middle. So I started out doing it one-to-one face-to-face sort of a business but I found it really difficult to manage because my kids are in the local Swiss system and for anyone who doesn't know what that's like it's nuts my kids my my sort of 10 year old she's still in the primary school system and so she comes home for two hours at lunchtime she's but at least she starts every day at half eight and she finishes at 345 my eldest now goes to the senior school mm-hmm. and she starts school at a different time every day some days she has three hours for lunch and well sometimes she finishes at 230 mm-hmm. sometimes she finishes at five every day is completely different and so what I found with my private clients it was fine but if they wanted to change their hours one week then I had to rejiggle my entire week and it was not easy because I have to be around for the kids quite a lot and I do have help twice a week a lady that helps take the kids for lunch and picks them up and does things in the afternoon but it still means I'm, I'm, I have to be here a lot for the kids so I was just constantly juggling my diary and it was, yes. wasn't working very well and also it meant that I could only help three or four people a month which wasn't very much compared to the number of women I saw who were struggling so I developed a group program and that's been my massive learning curve over the last couple of years is how do you how do you deliver something online but still create a community still create still be present for people so that if they get stuck because I've done these group online programs before and I've there's been a point where I've got stuck mm-hmm. and there's no one to ask and then the whole rest of the experience has become quite theoretical because I've got stuck right at the beginning and I'm like well, mm-hmm. how do I move forward with this and I didn't want my clients to have that I wanted to make sure that I was there for them as much as possible so so yeah so I've developed this this system where we use zoom quite a lot so we work through the, the exercises together so it's like a co-working session we have group coaching we have the community and I've got the new female entrepreneurs club community as well which is for any woman who's starting out in business kind of typically the women are like have this idea that they want to start a business one day up to being in business three years and getting ready to scale that's typically the women in this group and giving them a place to go to for help and support has been really important because most women starting a business and I would say most people starting a business Mm -hmm. aren't surrounded by other people doing the same thing so it's really hard to know when you have success 
there's no one to share it with because you know I share it with my my husband is very supportive but when I yeah. say oh my gosh I did this today and I just got featured on five people oh my gosh and he's like oh that's nice you know he does lovely but if they're not a entrepreneur themselves it's really hard to understand what it means emotional success yes yeah exactly and those moments the, the wobble moments you have like can I really do this to have a community a place to go where you can share your story and get support is really important for me and I see a lot of women's that I can I know I'm going to preempt your question here because <laughs> I know there's a lot of women's networks out there are very kind of oh that's nice and sort of clap along and sort mm -hmm. of very encouraging which is nice but with my community I try and do actual training with them so it's like okay this is the problem I hear a lot of you having here are the steps to take to overcome that if you're you're experiencing this so I, I use the group as almost like market research because it tells me what's important and what women are really yeah. in business but then I don't just keep that to myself because through my women's network I discovered that you know knowledge is only power if it's shared and that's my view so mm -hmm. I try to share my experiences and my knowledge to help people move forward with their businesses so they're not stuck and because I just as I say when I, when I see women who are just underestimate they're underestimating themselves or not moving forward or getting stuck over something so silly as like just this idea like oh I could never make this a success when you know they really could there's no reason that it's just in their mind you know I really want to yes. help them move through that and I'm always getting messages like oh my gosh why are you sharing you've got to be charging for this group like well that's marketing my way you know marketing mm -hmm. all about getting known building trust within the the, the environment getting so being credible for your knowledge set so for people that really understand what I can do for them that will let me give them my knowledge, give them my, my style of, sort of coaching and training. And then they understand what it's like to work with me. And when they're ready, if I can be helping them with them, then they'll, they'll come and, and ask me for, for help. And that's worked very well for me. So I kind of, I like the way of marketing as, as giving value. Um, yeah. And I think that's what it's all about personally. I think what we need to point out here for people that are really just starting out is there is networking and then there is networking. There is networking when women come together and they're all at the same level and they're all trying to figure it out and it's there for the support of the person, but you're still, there's still something lacking as in it's a group effort and everybody's trying to figure it out and you exchange information, but there is a difference if you have a mentor, somebody who is further along the road, or if it's even a paid program where you can come and ask different questions. Because here's the thing that I have always a little problem with the only females clubs I have tried it several times online as in person. And I think your club is just in the era we live in. And for people to understand, Switzerland is a very small country. And within Switzerland, a small part is French speaking. And I think it's around the fourth women's support group that I know of. So there's, there's quite a few for such a small area. And I always find astonishing is that as much as it's needed to support women and find their voice and getting out there and having the courage, they are also very limiting. And I like to make the analogy, you have to imagine a hospital in the 1950s or 1960s. You've got two different kinds of staff. All of it is medical staff, but you have the doctors that are primarily male and are healing the patient 
And then you have the nursing staff that is mostly female, that is caring for the person. So both of them are medical staff, but the one group is there to advance medicine and push limits. And the other staff is there to nurse the patient. And while this is super, super important to do, because you have to have the holistic approach, I think women still get very stuck. And when they come together, it feels like, in air quotes, this nurses reunion, and everybody is trying to be better for their clients, for their patients, give better care, give better service. And when they come together, it is a lot about helping each other to have a better situation, to be better at their job. But a lot of women just limit themselves. And when you then ask the uncomfortable questions, there is still a lot of shock or resistance and it's hard in this community. A lot of women, the ones that keep longer in these communities, they seem to be always in this startup phase. Mm. And they are, yes, they are supporting each other and the sisterhood is needed, but they never step out of the sisterhood and never expose themselves to the rest of the world as business is. And what you need to do, step out of the sisterhood, do business with the outside world, and that includes men as well. Yeah. And they get so comfortable with just being with women that I'm asking myself, at some point, we should kick them out because it feels like it's doing more harm than good because you keep, you keep yourself small. You keep playing small if you have constantly in this startup phase of with other women that are not there yet and don't have the confidence so at some point you have to go out and say, okay, I'm, I have to get over the point that I'm, a, that I'm a newbie. I'm not a newbie anymore. 18 months into my business, I'm a junior. I'm not a newbie anymore. It's not an internship. It's a business. And I have to step out and do the next hard thing and not get comfortable with the task. Yeah. I think it's, as, as an entrepreneur, it's really important. And I think anyone who wants to achieve anything in life, it's really important to consistently step outside your comfort zone. I wrote a blog post about how to do it. And I've realized that that's what Tim Ferriss calls fear setting. It's really making your comfort zone uncomfortable. So for example, you hate networking, but then looking at the flip side, if I don't get out on network, it means I'll always stay the same. I'll never grow my business. I'll never meet new people that can help me grow my understanding or insights, then that's really limiting. But, you know, and then when you realize, okay, if I don't do this, it's going to be worse than if I just stay at home and watch Netflix, then it gives you the courage to go and do this. And once you do it once, you can do it again. Because for most fear people, the fear is like, can I really do this? And they lack the confidence, as I said right at the beginning. But confidence doesn't come from knowing you can do it. Confidence comes from knowing you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. It's always a, an end result. So you go into a meeting and you're really nervous. You're like, oh, how's this going to go? And then after the meeting and it went brilliantly, you feel really confident. So it's always an after result. So you can't wait to have the confidence to do stuff. You have to do stuff and let it build your confidence. Mm -hmm. And then step by step, you can push and grow your comfort zone. And that's really what's needed. But for a lot of people, that comfort zone is so comfortable. They need to keep people in there. So they do keep pulling people in and not encouraging other people to step out. But, you know, I personally need people to push me because mm -hmm. I'm an introvert and I love my comfort zone. And it's what got me into public speaking was this need to consistently push outside my comfort zone. And so that's part of my role. What I see my role as is pushing people 
to to try new things and make it safe for them it's like sure it's mm-hmm. okay hey so and so did that and that was and sharing these case studies one thing I did in my group was interview women who had already been in business two or three years and were successful about how they started and I remember getting this most amazing message from a lady who was like I said you know I'd always always thought of my business as just a small business it's just me I work at my kitchen table but listening to your series I realized that's how every business starts and that every woman you've interviewed has started at her kitchen table, but then they've taken the step, which has helped them build their business and go that bit further. And, and that, that it was scary, but they learned and they grew and now they're, they're stuck at that new position. And it's always pushing out because a stretched mind never goes back yes. to its original state. And so she wrote me this message and she goes, you know, based on that understanding, I, there's a client that I've wanted to work with for a long time, but I never felt I was big enough to approach them. She goes, but I thought, hey, I'm just going to do it. And she won that client. I'm like, yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really my philosophy within my group is always making it safe for people to push that next step, for the, helping them to, to kind of realize their goals. And I encourage them to do two things. One is to keep a success journal which is where you just write down at least once a week, go back through all the little things you achieved that week. So anytime you're thinking, can I really do this? You can go back and show yourself, yeah, you've done it before. You've figured it out. You've met hurdles and you overcame them before, or not really overcame them, but really went through them because you have to push through your fears and through your challenges. You can't magically find a, a loophole. Sometimes you can, but mostly it's just hard work to push through and get the other side and then you get the reward. So to keep a success journal, but also to create a success circle, which is a group of, it could just be one other person, but up to five people who inspire you, who inspire you to do, achieve more, who understand where you are, what you're trying to achieve, that you can turn to and say, yes, I achieved this and they'll be happy for you and who you will do the same for them. And I think having this circle of people who are going to keep you pushing outside your comfort zone and keep moving forward is really, really important because it's success doesn't happen alone. It's almost impossible to to do that on your own without yeah. somebody behind you saying it's okay and they're cheering you along. And sometimes it doesn't need to be somewhat like having a coach or mentor is a brilliant shortcut because you know you're going to, that's there 100% for you. But sometimes it can be someone from your network who has been there and done it. And it was, I think I, I interviewed, well, I spent a day with a lady in Washington, DC last year. And she is a, she's a business coach as well, but she coaches women who are six, seven, eight figure income earners. She hangs out on Necker Island with Richard Branson once a year. You know, she's, she's playing at quite a different level to me, mm-hmm. but throughout the day discussing at the challenges that my clients have and, and her clients have, they're the same. It's every time you reach a certain point, you have to change the game to reach the next point. You can't keep doing the same things. You have to change and learn and grow and do something differently. So every time you have to scale up or you get a new opportunity, you have to push yourself. And so, and that is, that's what it's like to build a business. So I think it's important for people to realize that in having someone in their success circle, who's perhaps a good few steps ahead of them, doesn't necessarily mean that you can't also help them because mm-hmm. the challenges mm-hmm. are the same, but at a different scale so it, you can and it's really I think for a lot of these people it's very quite rewarding to be able to feed back say oh yes I, I remember that stage I went through that and it's quite a nice recognition for them of where they've come so you can add as much value to someone who's further along the line than you are so don't feel sort of scared or held back about approaching someone who's further ahead to ask them to be part of your success circle 
I liked it very much because I once heard a metaphor that changed everything for me. We always define success as this ladder that you climb and you go from down here to up here, but it's not like that. If you change that image in your head that success is like a spiral staircase so you stay centered in one point and you keep coming back to the same view which might be in business to the same problem but each time you face it you are on a different level you see it from a different viewpoint and at the beginning you're the frog looking up and thinking like oh my god this is this is huge and the more you climb the more you climb at some point you will be looking down at the problem doesn't mean that the problem goes away it just means you gain more sovereignty with dealing with it yeah oh i love that i'm going to be using that one <laughs> yeah but i think it's true like look at the classic for a business you know, i need more clients so when you're starting out more clients is probably only going to be a handful of people and they're already existing within your network um, a lot of people don't realize that their their first clients are a lot closer than they think they don't need expensive adverts or marketing or website they just need to get out there, network, make sure everyone that knows them knows what they're doing. But then the next stage, that that's your existing network. To get to the next level of more clients, you have to grow your network and you have to grow the number of people who know you and what you do. So then you have to do things differently. And then at the next level, once you've kind of built this great network, it's like, well, now how do I get clients? Because I've kind of, you haven't necessarily saturated, but it's going to start being limited. So you need to go to the next level and do different things so that's when you start podcasting or getting doing work really working on your visibility and PR strategy and things like that and your your networks and your partnerships and so at each level what you need to do is different to do to have the same results so so that idea of the spiral staircase I think works brilliantly I love Mm. that so I have another question for for you so since starting a business is finding your place finding Mm. a way to belong to contribute and to get something in return and you mentioned this success circle i find that very interesting and that's it is a lot like an accountability partner but i think it's even a little bit more than that so how can people find that how do you know that this is a person that will help you and will push you versus a person that is just cheering or even worse like that crap just keeping you down because they can't they can't advance forward they just keep you sideways and they constantly cling on what yeah. would you say how do we find these people or how do we evaluate per- if that person is somebody who is contributing or just somebody who is in the ranks behind and just clapping yeah i think first you need to know what you're looking for uh, like with anything so be clear about well what do you really want if you could have your ideal person in your success network or your ideal mentor or whatever you want to call it, what would that person be? Who, what, what level would they be at? What kind of person would they be? So really build your awareness of what you're looking for to start with. So you can kind of almost do many interviews with people. <laughs> and so the, the best way is networking. So the ideal person would be someone local to you because they're accessible. They know your local market. They know, like someone in Switzerland, for example, understands this whole nightmare childcare issue. Mm-hmm. So someone locally would be great. It doesn't have to be, but that's a great Yeah, now with Zoom and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It doesn't need to be restricted anymore. But to that's a great place to start. And local networks are easy to find and they're easy to go to. So I would start there for sure. Mm-hmm. And in terms of how will you 
what how would you know if they're going to be great it's just trial and error really so if you meet someone you think oh gosh they tick all the boxes but in practice they turn out to be a bit of a negative nelly which can be the case then then you just want to like politely distance yourself from that relationship and find someone else so you don't have to stick with people that okay i've chosen that person they're going to be with me forevermore you're not a genie (laughs) you don't have to have that be stuck with these people so to do some trial and error and find out and Find out people who inspire you. So who in your local network is doing what you do, but is a few steps ahead of you that you find inspiring and and reach out to them, meet them for coffee. And and there are some people who won't share any information because they're like, oh no, you might steal my ideas. But people who are the right kind of people aren't like that at all. And people understand that you can, I mean, no one else could start a business even if I gave someone my entire program they couldn't start a business coaching program the same way that I do because they don't have my values my experience my kind of philosophy then it's not they're not me yeah so what they would create would be something very different and they wouldn't be able to evolve it in the same way that I'm going to evolve my business either so you can't really steal anyone's ideas and if your idea was that easy to steal it's not a good idea in the first place so most people who would be useful to have in your support network would definitely be open to having a coffee with you and supporting you but you really need to make sure that you are clear that they're not there to be a crutch for you so Mm -hmm. you can already tell them this is what I've already done to help myself and that's going to make you a lot more uh, attractive as a a kind of mentee or someone that they want to have in their network because no one wants someone that's just going to be like saying oh how do I do this and like being needy all the time so you would need to make sure that you're not needy but you you're clear about how this person can help you and what your expectations are um, and what you're willing to give back to them as well and to make yourself valuable to this person as well so because it's a two-way street yeah absolutely actually I was earlier this year I was speaking on the NatWest business hub about how to find a mentor and it was the same things like don't be frightened about approaching people who are further along than you because a lot of the time they want to pass this information and knowledge back. They feel it, it's, it's part of their role to, to grow is to help other people grow behind them. And so a lot of the time they're, they're very open to helping people, but you need to make sure that they know that it's not going to be a drain on them this, and they're going to get as much joy and, and value from this relationship as, as you will as well. That's a two-way thing. I always like to say to people, because people tend to think in absolutes. So just because a person might be in the area of business further along than you or have a higher status or whatever, that might be very well true. But that doesn't mean that as a person, as a human, they are still on the same level as you. So even if you cannot give back in their field because they are already so far advanced, it doesn't mean that you have nothing to give at all so um it we always need to see the the person that is in advance yes as a mentor or somebody further along and somebody to model but not idealize them because as a human we are still there's no better human there's there's no better people or lesser people or something to aspire to so you can be friends with anybody you can be friends with a celebrity or you can be friends with a prime minister or whoever yes they have achieved things in their field but as a human we are still on the same level yeah and sometimes so I have a a lady in my support network and she's a behavioral psychologist a master NLP coach and she knows the mind very well 
and it's something that I've I kind of feel like I should have been a psychologist myself because I it's I find this the yes. way the mind works fascinating and it's something that's really important to me to continue learning about to support my clients because I said this mindset and confidence is like 80% of success in business but I'm always going to her and say oh I just learned this from this book and it kind of connects to that idea and is is that right and then she's like oh I haven't thought a bit about it that way Mm -hmm. myself so Mm -hmm. sometimes my sort of naive perspective and learning and making the dots in different ways is actually helping her see things in different ways as well so it's quite interesting that it doesn't mean as you say her knowledge is absolute it means that we're all learning and growing and seeing things in different ways so you can you can always add value to other people. As long as you're open-minded and growing yourself, I think that's the, that's the key. Yes, and that ties back to the expat experience again. <laughs> because yeah. that's what it's all about. Just be open and don't give up. Yeah. Humilita, this was very inspiring. I told myself I will not take any notes while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> but I almost now wish I did because... I have all these mental post-its now and that I want to now more elaborate on. So where can we find you? Because you are not limited to people in Switzerland. No. Your, your knowledge is about business in general. Yeah. And people don't have to be in Switzerland or in the closer area of, I don't know, Italy or France to work with you. They can work with you from anywhere. So share with us where can we find you online i will later and of course add that to the show notes too but if somebody just wants to instantly look you up where can we find you when i started my business i was struggling to find a name so mm-hmm. i was like okay i want a name that's going to inspire people it's got to be about business and i was going round in circles for ages and i was really struggling to come up with something that was meaningful and unique and and then I remember being at a party and someone asked, oh, how do I find you? And you say, okay, just Google Melita Campbell and you'll find me because I'm the only one. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> so that's my business name. It's just me, Melita Campbell. So it's melitacampbell.com or just Google my name and you'll find me. I'm the one that's not coffee. It's spelled with two T's. It's the same as the coffee yeah. brand. So if you just put Melita, you'll find coffee and you'll find me. But Melita Campbell, you'll find, find me. Yes, and Campbell, and, that is with a P and a B. So C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. Yes, that's right. That's right. All right. And I'd invite anyone to come and join us at the New Female Entrepreneurs Club, which you can find on Facebook. It's a really lovely supportive community. And as I mentioned, it isn't lots of packet passing on the back. It's really pushing people and helping people to grow as well. So yeah, it'd be great to have more of the community in there. Okay. So Melita, I want to thank you. That was, as I said, very inspiring. I want to acknowledge you for showing up the way you did and for sharing so openly as you did. I'm sure that we will stay more in contact. And for my final question, I would like to ask you, speaking about yourself as a person, Melita, what comes easy to you? What is something you like, you feel like you can share with confidence? What is one wisdom or one quote that you know to be true that we've heard maybe so many times, but have never let up touch our minds and hearts? I think the feedback I get from my clients more than anything else, the thing is the perspective. I think I can help people see things differently because I did my business degree back when I was 19 at an art school. So it's mm-hmm. not your typical business degree. And I've done my master's in marketing communication since then. But it really is all about innovation and creating and not being afraid to try new things. And if it doesn't work out, brilliant. Well, what can you do with that? And I think that artistic mindset has really helped me throughout my career. And that's what I've helped build within my clients is this idea that 
even if you have these mistakes, it can turn into something beautiful. It can lead to something bigger than you ever imagined. And so not to feel afraid of trying new things and, and building because it either works out or you learn. And that lesson can be so beautiful and even more powerful than anything else you experience. So I think that's what people get from me. That's really what I try and give to the world is this feeling of possibility. And in terms of a quote, the quote actually that got me to finally stop my communication consultancy that was draining me and move into this new business coaching role was by Richard Branson. And he said, you know, if it's no longer fun, stop doing it. And I was like, yes, this really isn't fun. Yes. And ever since then, my business totally has been. And there's been a few things that I've got myself into that felt like the right thing to do. And often it felt like the right thing to do because everyone else was doing it. <laughs> But it wasn't fun. It was draining and I didn't enjoy it. So using that power of that quote, I was like, yeah, I just stop by my own path. You don't have to do yeah. just because everyone else is doing it. doesn't. And mean just because you started it, it doesn't mean you cannot stop it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We, are, we often feel so invested that say, well, I put all this time and effort in. I would be silly to drop it. But yeah, I think that what you just touched on there holds a, holds a lot of people back mm -hmm. like in their career, for example. So, oh my gosh, I studied being a lawyer for X years and I've put, and then I did my apprenticeship and then I did this and then, you know, I've invested 20 years in this career. I can't just give it all up, but yeah, you can, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's a valid fear. It's a valid emotion, yeah. but it's, it's, as you said, you need to hear it. That's especially one of those quotes you need to hear over and over and over. And it's one thing to understand it intellectually, but mm. then once it hits you, once you hit that point and say like, oh God, now I know what this means. Confidence is always something that happens afterwards. You know, you, if you wait to feel confident in your idea before you, you, you know, you'll never take that first step. You just have to take the step and then figure it out and then feel confident that it was the right thing to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Melita. You're welcome. And today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I will, we will link everything back so people can find you. And if the listeners find you, then uh, don't hesitate to mention that you found this through this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Melita. This is it, mon ami. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Melita. And if you asked me to pass on the message she taught me, it would be this. Confidence does not come from knowing that you have the skills. It comes from knowing that you can learn what you need to in order to succeed. And time is a factor in business. It takes time to build it. And it takes time to learn how to get out of your own way. And we rarely make that by ourselves. Work 80% of the time and spend 20% on networking. Find the people you need. But be clear on who you actually need. Do you need a friend? A cheerleader? A coach? A mentor? It'll probably take you some time to figure that out. But it's worth finding that circle of people that understands what it takes to do what you do. And remember that you don't have to marry them. Actually, some friction, a different point of view to business, might be just the thing you need to push you to take the next bold step in the right direction. So if today's episode resonated with you, if you found value in it, please leave me a review. It truly makes a difference in getting found by the right people. And if you feel gracious, please consider the home worth having podcast worth sharing with your friends or that one person you feel would profit most from it. And if you want to get in contact with Melita, you can find her at melitacampbell.com. As for now, 
I stay your humble designer friend at a home worth having. Talk to you soon again. A bientôt, Nicole.